Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. It's time for From the Short Grass with Trey Schaap, a golf podcast for those who love golf, struggle with golf, and just like to enjoy the outdoors and fellowship with friends, all while chasing a ball around trying to put it in a four and a quarter inch diameter hole. From the Short Grass is brought to you by Blackman Auctions. For over 80 years, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. By MinnowsPlus.com. From baits to waiters, if it helps you catch a fish, they have it. And now, from the Short Grass, here is your host, Trey Schaap. Welcome to another From the Short Grass podcast. I am your host, Trey Schaap. Hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. You were able to get out, hit the links, and hopefully you found the short grass and not the rough or the penalty areas. And maybe you stayed out of all of the bunkers as well. Hope you scored well. Hope you played well. Hope you had a good time. That's the main thing. Have a good time when you're out on the golf course. A couple of interesting things. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Golf Week came out with their top 100 public courses that you can play in America. And number one is no surprise. It's Pebble Beach Golf Links out in Pebble Beach, California. Pebble Beach is just a great golf course. The scenery, the walk, everything is so nice. I played July 3rd a couple of years ago, and I was wearing pants and a sweater. So yes, it is quite chilly in the middle of summer. So if you want to break from the Arkansas heat, from the heat wherever you are, go to Pebble Beach in the middle of July, and I guarantee you, you'll be playing golf and you'll be wearing pants. You could wear shorts, but most would wear pants, I would assume. Bandon Dunes Golf Resort, Pacific Dunes, that course is number two. Pinehurst, number two, is number three on the list. And here we go with some Bandon Dunes golf courses. Old MacDonald is number four. Whistling Straits, number five. Host of the Ryder Cup coming up. Bandon Dunes Golf Resort, Bandon Dunes course is number six on the list. Shadow Creek out in North Las Vegas, Nevada is number seven. And then you have a couple more Bandon Dunes. Bandon Dunes Golf Resort, Sheep Ranch. That's one of the new ones out in Bandon. Then you have Kiowa Island Golf Resort, the Ocean Course, which just hosted the PGA Championship at number nine. So, yes, you can go play the same course that Phil Mickelson just won the PGA Championship on a couple of weeks ago. Number 10, Bandon Dunes Golf Resort, Bandon Trails. How good is Bandon Dunes Golf Resort? They have five of the top 10, 100 public golf courses that you can play. That is on my bucket list. Another one that was on my bucket list comes in at number 11, Bethpage State Park, the black course. The reason I say it was on my bucket list is because I was able to play it a couple of years ago. In fact, about two years ago from this date, Bethpage State Park, a great walk in great shape, and it's tough to get on. You can get on Bethpage State Park. Go to their website, and they'll give you all the information there. Pasa Tiempo out in Santa Cruz, California, ties at number 12 with TPC Sawgrass, 
the Players Stadium course down in Ponta Vedra Beach, Florida. That is a great course. Been able to play it, so I marked that one off the bucket list. Coming in at number 14, Spyglass Hill out in Pebble Beach as well. Played that one while I was out there to play Pebble Beach. So, yes, you can mark both of those off of your bucket list. 18 is Kapalua, the plantation course out there. And you look on down as you go through number 24, tied for 24 with Chambers Bay, who hosted the U.S. Open several years ago, is the Sea Pines Resort Harbor Town Golf Links over in Hilton Head, South Carolina. So if you're heading east to South Carolina, maybe you put that one on your list. You look on down, and lo and behold, right there at number 34, Mystic Creek in El Dorado, Arkansas. I'm telling you. It is a phenomenal golf course. It is a difficult golf course, but the tree lines, the sight lines, they try to confuse you. It is a tough, tough challenge of golf. Take your A game to Mystic Creek, take plenty of golf balls to Mystic Creek, and you will have some fun. Go down to Mystic Creek. You can play it. Email us about your experience. We'd like to share that here on From the Shortgrass. You can reach us at fromtheshortgrass at gmail.com. We're going to take a quick break. Then we come back. On the tee will be Jay Fox, the executive director of the Arkansas State Golf Association. Minnows Plus is your local source for live bait and live well supplies. They carry the entire line of SureLife products, everything from better bait and finer shiner to no ammonia products to keep your bait and your catch thriving till you get back to the dock. They are the best source for all your private land ponds. Minnows Plus has fish food and pond fertilizer to keep your pond healthy and thriving all year long. If you own or run a bait and tackle shop and need to resupply, contact Minnows Plus and ask about their wholesale prices. Open to the public and walk-ins are welcome. Find them on the web at minnowsplus.com. This is Thomas Blackman with Blackman Auctions. Me sponsoring a golf show is great irony. I've been a phenomenally bad golfer for 30 years. I don't know the difference between a penalty area and a bunker. I like it, but I'm really bad. You listen to this show and to Trey because he's a great golfer and knows the game backwards and forwards. I know auctions like Trey knows golf. I've been a professional auctioneer for 30 years. I know auctions. Trey knows golf. Listen to the correct expert. Call me to learn about auctions, not Trey. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Welcome back to From the Shoregrass. I want to thank one of our great sponsors, MinnowsPlus.com. Minnows Plus is your one-stop shop for all of your bait, tackle needs. When you go fishing, you're going to hit the water. You need something the fish are going to bite. You can find it at Minnows Plus. Find them on the web, MinnowsPlus.com. Here on From the Shoregrass, you're going to hear from golf administrators, golf players, just general people that like the game of golf. We're going to bring you those interviews and get into their mind of why they started playing the game. What do they like about the game? We're also going to follow the Arkansas State Golf Association uh, Player of the Year point standings on the amateur ranks, the junior ranks. We're going to follow those tournaments. We're going to have interviews with those players from time to time. But first off, we're going to sit down with Jay Fox. The expanded interview you will hear in our next episode. But here's just a little snippet of what you can expect from him. And then after that, we will hear from Braden Thornberry, a member of the Corn Ferry Tour. On the tee right now, it's Jay Fox, the executive director of the Arkansas State Golf Association. Let's go back to when you were on the board of the Arkansas State Golf Association. Mm-hmm. And Monk Wade announced his retirement. 
and the board was searching for a new executive director. You wanted that job. Why? Well, I had gone to work for Wynn Norwood uh, selling insurance, and it, it really wasn't – insurance wasn't kind of my cup of tea. But Bubba Clue and I got on the board at the same time, and we helped Monk run some of the tournaments. And, you know, along the way, it just sort of – I sort of kind of got a little bit of a fever for kind of what Monk did. But when they came to me – uh, Jerry Parker, a guy from Fort Smith, said, you know, you should apply for that job. And I was like, ah, Jerry, I don't know. You know, Monk doesn't play a lot of golf. I'm still playing some golf. And although I didn't really know what I wanted to do, I was about to go back to UCA and finish my master's. I thought maybe I wanted to get into college coaching, maybe coach college golf or something. And so I was still kind of trying to find myself. I was probably in my late 20s, I guess. And you know, a number of people just came to me, when included, and said, you should you should at least apply. And so I applied, and I said, okay. And, and, and I said, I'll do it for a couple of years until you find somebody. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. You know, if I get the job, I'll do it until you find somebody. And They haven't found anybody. Well, <laughs> I was very lucky that I guess they quit looking. <laughs> so that was – I offered – I interviewed for the job in December of 1990, and they offered it to me between Christmas and New Year's, and I started probably January 2nd or 3rd, 1991. If there's a highlight of your time as executive director of the ASGA, what would it be? Wow. I should have prepared for some of these questions. Well, um, I didn't give them to you in advance. No, I know. Uh, you know, probably the highlight for me would just be the relationships that I've made along the way. I worked with a great number of board members and presidents and – I got to see a great number of players kind of grow up, if you will, in our in our junior program. You know, I watched uh, Bryce Molder and, mm -hmm. you know, some of the other guys, kind of Ken Duke, some of the other guys that kind of grew up and went on to have great success. You know, we're talking about those are PGA Tour winners. And, you know, back when I was playing the mini tours, you know, that's kind of what I had envisioned of. I, I found out right away it was not good enough to get out there. But uh, – um, that's probably the the friendships, the relationships, those kind of things along the way. Uh, I, I tell you one quick story. My first international golf uh, administrators meeting. I went to San Diego, and Mr. Wade went with me. Of course, he'd been a longtime member of this group, and I met a man named Steve Fail, who ran the New Jersey State Golf Association at the time, and we just somehow hit it off and. Steve helped me, you know, learn the rules, how to study for the rules, and, and we just became fast friends, and we, you know, tried to plan some vacations together, and we went to the PGA show together and always kind of tried to do some things together. And so, you know, I think about people like that, not just people in Arkansas, but people like Steve Fale. I mean, he was one of the leading rules of golf authorities in the United States. He'd worked for the USGA and he'd done the Open and the Walker Cup and all this. And here's a little guy from Ball Knob, Arkansas, you know, kind of rubbing elbows with uh, with some of the elite. And speaking of some of the elite elite golfers as well, you've officiated a Michelle Wee match before. Right. Uh, you've seen Tiger up close. Right. Um, those are – Big-time names when it comes to golf right there. 
Yeah, uh, the Michelle Wee thing was a is a quick funny story. Uh, you know, we always meet the players. This was at the Public Links in um, in Dayton, Ohio, and I was a walking rules official and went over and introduced myself to her and to my caddy. And the caddy immediately said. Uh, you know, if there's any issues today, you know, you'll deal with me. And I said, respectfully, if there's any issues today, I will not deal with you. I'll be dealing with Michelle. Because the, the caddy is there to assist the player. But, you know, it, it we was, saw that we saw that at the USAM last year. The caddy needs to stay away. I think he was trying to be a little bit protective of her. Maybe she was, gosh, she couldn't have been more than 15 or 16 at that time. I think she got to the quarterfinals of the public links that year. I mean, you know. But it's not like as a a rules official you're going to step up and try and do something out of the norm that a rules official, a walking rules official would normally do. Right. I had one ruling with her. We were on the 15th green, and she motioned me over, and I walked over, and, and I bent down, and she was pointing at her ball, and she said, is that ball on the green? And I got down and looked, and the ball was touching the green. And if the ball is touching any part of the green, it's on the green. And I said, yes, the ball is on the green. And I walked away, and, and I thought I was done. And I looked back, and she's giving me the motion to come back. And I said, do we need more? And she goes, can I mark it? And I said, sure, it's on the green. You can mark it. And she said, well, my coin's going to be off the green. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. As long as the ball's touching the green. She was very nice. She said, thank you very much. She had no idea that she could mark that ball because she thought the coin being off the green meant the ball was off the green. I, I don't think the players, for the most part, understand. And And I heard Payne Stewart tell it one time before, you know, you think, gosh, these guys on tour can't really get off a cart path. They call an official in for almost anything, and Payne Stewart said, look, we're playing for a lot of money out here. If I've got a question that I don't know, I'm going to do something because one shot might cost me the tournament. It might cost me $100,000. It might might cost me half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. And so I can see both sides of it. I can see both sides of it. Next on the tee, a member of the Corn Ferry Tour. He played his collegiate golf at Ole Miss. He was the 2017 Fred Haskins Award winner, the 2017 NCAA champion, and the 2018 McCormack medal winner. Here is Braden Thornberry. Braden, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. When did you start playing golf? When did you really pick up the game and think that, okay, I'm interested in this, I really want to do this? Yeah, I mean, I was probably, you know, 10 years old my dad had kind of you know I'd been to the golf course with my dad when I was you know five and six a couple of times but you know when I actually started playing for myself was probably when I was 10 or 11 and I kind of uh you know I, I kind of got into it pretty quick I was kind of I saw that I had potential with it and I enjoy I was just a competitive person so you know I saw I had potential with it I was improving and you know I tried to just keep doing that and I guess until now so and obviously, you was able to pay for your college. You got a college scholarship to Ole Miss, and uh, you've decided to turn professional. You're on the Court Ferry Tour now, trying to make it to the big tour, the PGA Tour. What's that track been like? Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy experience. I mean, you have to – I think some kids nowadays try to go too far ahead too fast. I think you have to, you know, try to be the best in your area, try to be the best in your, you know – your district best in the country and you know as a junior and then worry about college and do the same thing there and I think some kids now you know they're 16 17 years old and they're already watching you know the PJ tour saying you know that's where I want to be and they're trying to almost skip steps to get there and uh 
yeah, I think the experience, you just have to try to be the best at every level and just kind of be patient and, you know, let it happen and, you know, get better. Do you feel like out here on the Corn Ferry Tour that guys root for other guys? I know you've got a core group of, of your buddies and friends. You're all down at Dallas at Merido Golf Club. And do you see that it's it's more of a family atmosphere than, than maybe the cutthroatness that you might see um, on the PGA Tour? Yeah, I mean, we're – I think the PGA Tour, there's probably – I can't really. I mean, I've only played a you know a handful of events out there, so I'm this is kind of guessing. But out here, you're not playing for you know as much money. There's a little more, uh, you know, I wouldn't. I don't want to say competitiveness because it's obviously just as competitive out there. But yeah, you're a little more friends because like you're playing golf and you're trying to. Everybody has that same goal of getting to the PGA Tour. It's and you know we don't. Most of us don't have families. You know, a lot of the average age out here is you know a lot younger and. Yeah, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, we're a lot of guys stay together, going to dinners together, and yeah, I would say, I mean. I don't know everybody out here, but I mean, a good bit of the tour I'm rooting for every week, you know, when I see them up on the leaderboard and, and stuff like that. So it, it's a cool environment. One of your goals is obviously to get to the PGA Tour. How do you feel like you are in the progression to that right now? Yeah, I mean, I would have so far, I would have liked had a little better year. I think I'm 50 on the points list right now. So I'm still right there within, you know, striking distance of the, you know, of getting my card. But the positive thing is every year since I've been playing golf, I feel like I've gotten better and it's shown, you know, on you know, statistically that I've gotten better. So that's a, you know, a good feeling, you know, if I just keep doing what I'm doing, whether it's this year, next year, the year after that, that, you know, I'll make it to the PJ tour and, you know, ultimately went out there because that's my goal. And um, so just keep doing that and kind of trust that process. Coming from an SEC school, we know about how good the SEC is in football. We know about how good it is in, in baseball, women's basketball. How good is it in golf? You played against those other golfers, those other schools. How good is the SEC? When I was there, at least, I can't speak so much for now, but uh, I assume it's still the same way. I think the SEC was for sure the best conference then. Uh, you know, I think we were kind of when I was there, we were ranked between 15 and 40. We were always a you know, really solid team, and we were not at the top of the SEC a lot of the times at all. So, uh, you know, I would say out of the 14 SEC teams, I mean, a lot of times like 11 were ranked like top 25. So that's uh, it's tough to beat. And, you know, the SEC tournament was one of the strongest of the year because we had 14 teams there. And like I said, I mean, they were all contenders. So, I mean, you'd have, you know, in the you know, four of the top eight would be, you know, SEC schools. So uh, it was a good prep for sure for, you know, regionals and nationals playing that SEC championship and, you know, being around all those teams. You have to have sponsors to make it work. Simmons Bank is one of your big sponsors. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, out of college, I signed with Titleist and FootJoy, and that was, you know, clothing and, and, uh, and equipment, obviously. And then the, I've, I was very picky with, you know, me and my agent kind of talked about I wanted relationships with companies that I actually cared about, not just, you know, throw a random logo on here for a little bit of money and stuff like that. So uh, the first one came around with Simmons, and we started talks with them, and I was like, I really like the – you know, their vibe, you know, Mr. Macris is, you know, CEO is the one talking to us. It's not just, you know, some random, you know, you know, sponsor person, you know, from the company. And that kind of meant a lot to me because it's, you know, a big brand and a big bank and, you know, for the CEO to care enough, you know, be texting us and, you know, be rooting for us and taking care of us and letting us know that, you know, if we need anything to contact him personally, that kind of showed me that like how much they actually cared about. It wasn't just, you know, get a little exposure and give us a little money. It was more about they wanted to build a team. And I think they've done a really good job with that. And I've really enjoyed it so far. Some of your friends uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour are also repped by Simmons Bank. They rep Simmons Bank. But uh, one of them, big name, I mean, everybody saw it at Augusta yeah. in the Masters, Will Zalatoris. How's that relationship between you two? Yeah, really good. I mean, I've known Will since we are in high school, but really well in the last, you know, two years. We started playing some practice rounds together uh, last year, kind of before the COVID break. 
And then, you know, he's been playing so well. I mean, he earned his, you know, status through Monday qualifiers and a couple sponsor invites and stuff like that. And, you know, the last two years he's been playing so good. And, you know, I've always tell people, I just, I don't think anyone that knows him is surprised when he plays well. You're surprised when he finishes 40th, honestly. So, uh, yeah, any week he's in contention, I think he's right where he's supposed to be. Everybody dreams of making that putt on the putting green when you're 15, 16 years old to win the Masters. Everybody dreams of taking that trip down Magnolia Lane as a pro. I'm sure that's in the back of your head. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's you know very you know jealous of what Will's doing. I mean, it's 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 very, it's kind of both ways. You can kind of be jealous of what he's doing, and also it gives you a lot of, I guess, I don't know if hope's the right word, but you know that you know I was right there with him you know two years ago, and it's basically, it, I don't know, I don't know how to word it, but it's it gives you like like damn like he's playing really well, but also like it's not like he's a superhero. Like you know I was just playing with him you know two months ago, so it's like it gives you a lot of. Uh, kind of realm of like it's possible and you know the same thing with you know a Colin Morikawa going out there and you know turning pro and winning four times already won a major a WGC all that it, it makes it seem very real it's not like it's you know only Tiger can do it or only Rory can do it and stuff like that so uh, it makes it seem like it's you know very doable. From a professional's aspect you see a lot of amateur golfers in the the pro-ams that you are required to play in what is one mistake you see amateurs make so much? I think the common answer is always they don't hit enough club because I think they, they always plan, which I don't know how you fix this, but they always plan on hitting it perfect. And you just, you know, a 20 handicap, 15 handicap is not going to hit a solid shot that often. Like you're not just going to absolutely flush a six iron. So I think, you know, clubbing up. And I also think a lot of amateurs slice the ball and they aim more left to compensate for that. And that usually just makes you slice it worse. So I think a lot of times, so at least with me, if I'm like kind of missing the ball, right, it's, you almost want to aim right and kind of cover the ball more and kind of get that feeling back. So you get more, you know, to the, you know, to the middle. But, uh, so I think that's kind of a, cause golf, basically everything you do is the opposite of what your mind wants. So that's kind of a good rule of thumb with, you know, a lot of shots. I know you're on social media. There's one of your biggest fans. Have you ever met Bunky Perkins? I have met Bunky Perkins probably yeah, probably like three times. He's come to a couple tournaments. He comes to the Wichita tournament. Uh, I think he's been there twice. And, yeah, he's, he's an awesome dude, and he's hilarious on, on, on Twitter and stuff. So, What are those conversations like? Uh, well, it's very – for how funny his stuff is on, like, Twitter, he's very normal in real life. And I was like, oh, this is, this is a little disappointing. Like, you're just a normal guy. But, yeah, he is, uh, he's hilarious on there. And, yeah, I, I didn't know him for a long time. I just knew his, you know, profile. And he was, you know, right like Red Cup Rebellion. He was writing some stories on the golf team. And he called me, like, I think Lord Thornberry and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And it was nice meeting him and, you know, talking to him for 20 minutes and so and kind of seeing his life story and all that stuff. So it's cool. Our thanks to Braden Thornberry for taking the time to sit down and talk with us, and best of luck to him on the Corn Ferry Tour, and hopefully he'll get that tour card at the end of the season. And Bunky Perkins, you heard him. you got to be a little more funny in person. Bring your A game, a little more comedic output, if you will. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we will hit our rules segment on the tee. Adam Carney, we're back from the short grass after this. Stay with us. This is Thomas Blackman with Blackman Auctions. Me sponsoring a golf show is great irony. I've been a phenomenally bad golfer for 30 years. I don't know the difference between a penalty area and a bunker. I like it, but I'm really bad. You listen to this show and to Trey because he's a great golfer and knows the game backwards and forwards. I know auctions like Trey knows golf. I've been a professional auctioneer for 30 years. I know auctions. Trey knows golf. Listen to the correct expert. Call me to learn about auctions, not Trey. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. 
Minnows Plus is your local source for live bait and live well supplies. They carry the entire line of SureLife products, everything from better bait and finer shiner to no ammonia products to keep your bait and your catch thriving till you get back to the dock. They are the best source for all your private land ponds. Minnows Plus has fish food and pond fertilizer to keep your pond healthy and thriving all year long. If you own or run a bait and tackle shop and need to resupply, contact Minnows Plus and ask about their wholesale prices. Open to the public and walk-ins are welcome. Find them on the web at minnowsplus.com. Welcome back to From the Shortgrass. I want to tell you about our good friends at Blackman Auctions. The first Blackman auction was conducted in 1938. And now, three generations later, Blackman remains family-owned and operated. Find them on the web at blackmanauctions.com. For more than 80 years, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Now on the tee, it's our weekly rules segment. Here is our PGA Master Professional, Adam Carney. Adam, today we're talking about the 14 club rule. Everybody's got clubs. Some of them might even play with 15, 16. But if you're playing in a tournament, you're only allowed 14. Correct. And it's it's pretty pretty cut and dry. Um, 14's the limit. Um, you know, you can start around with less than 14 and add one. You know, you happen to break a club in normal course of play, you can replace it. But, uh, yeah, the hard and fast rule is – you know, no more than 14 clubs. If you carry 15, you're going to be penalized. Let's define normal course of play. Yeah. We've seen the shots where professionals like a Tiger Woods will hit a shot and is the, the shaft of the iron goes up against a tree and breaks, or sure. you hit the ground in frustration and your club head pops off. Right. That, those are two totally different things. Sure. So there was a rules change where normal course of play was, was redefined. So, But normal course of play at the time was defined um, – a, that the club was damaged in the course of making a stroke. And, you know, that kind of changed in that, you know, a no- normal course of play might also include, let's say I'm just standing in the middle of the fairway, leaning on my club and my shaft snaps on me, um, you know, and it's my driver, you know, should I? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm likely to hit driver from the middle of the fairway now. It, you know, that, that at that time was not normal course of play. Now, Normal course of play is going to encompass any damage that happens to a club that is essentially accidental. Uh, so your your reference to getting mad and slamming a club on the ground and and snapping it, you know, that's not accidental. That's that's, that's yeah, that's not going to be normal course of play. You're not going to be able to replace that. You were telling me earlier um, off off the air about a time where you were playing. Uh, I believe it was a competition, mm-hmm. and your competitor goes to pull a putter out of the bag and lost control of the putter and it dropped and it broke. Yeah, so that it was actually in the Randy Beaver Cup matches here in Arkansas, the pros were PGA professionals versus the amateurs and What's that I, record by the way? It's not good. I've I've I don't know how many times I've, we've I've played in it. I think we we've won one out of every five or well, six. I know one match you did win one year, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> We won't go into that. We further. won't go into that. Okay, so back to the rule. So back, so back <laughs> to the rule. Yeah, I was uh, playing a singles match, um, so I had an opponent, and that opponent was uh, uh, Larry Killa, who's who's a great, great person. Uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Just you know, one of the uh, great amateurs in in Arkansas from Searcy, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we're on the third hole at Hot Springs Country Club. Uh, Arlington course. Yep, on the Arlington course. And uh, his second shot had come up short of the green, and he he'd grabbed his wedge. Um, we'd parked behind the green in the golf cart, 
and he was heading to the front, realized he hadn't brought his putter, which I thought was bold. I thought he thought he was going to chip it in or chip it close enough I'd give it to him, but then ran back to grab his putter and, and in haste pulling it out, dropped it. And then right on the edge of those those cart paths, there are, they're basically bricks. They're, it's a kind of a curb, but it's made with bricks and they got the sharp edges. And that putter dropped and fell and snapped in two. And it's just, you know, dumb luck. Well, at that time, that was not considered a normal course of play. And so, you know, Larry said, hey, you know, I guess I better call somebody and get a new putter. And I'm standing there, and, you know, I don't want to be a jerk. But, you know, I'm like, Larry, man, I, I hate to tell you this, but, uh, you know, I was, you can't replace that club. It's, it didn't break in the normal course of play. Now, obviously, today he could replace that club. Sure. So he called the the tournament director, which was Jay Fox. And uh, Jay said, no, Adam's Adam's right. And uh, he he just kind of gave me a look and then proceeded to beat me two and one, putting with a three iron the rest <laughs> of the way, which – you know, all, all credit to to Larry Killo. I, uh, you know, <laughs> he beat you putting with a three iron. He beat iron. me putting with a three iron. I, you know, I, look. I mean, he he actually, and I, I don't want to take anything away from his. How many putts did you give him after he broke his putt? Really, not that many, because I mean, I, look, I'm a competitor at the time. I, I'm going to use that to my advantage. I mean, sure, it's it's a it's regrettable, but. The truth of the matter is, I think for the rest of the round, he only hit like four or five greens. And, you know, the Arlington Course Hot Springs Country Club, those greens are tiny. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's nothing to hit seven or eight greens and shoot two or three under par on that golf course. And, you know, so he missed a lot of greens. Um, and he was chipping a lot. So was I. And, you know, his short game was either always spectacular or it came to life after that because, I mean, I had to give him – I mean, he's chipping it, you know, within three or four inches all day long. Um, so, I, yeah, I think he only had to putt with a three iron maybe two or three times after that, something like that. He played really, really well, and his short game was really, really sharp. And, you know, maybe he used that as motivation to beat me. I don't know, but he, he definitely beat me. And <laughs> no that, question. Yeah, that, that is, uh, I mean, I still use get it that. to your advantage now, but yeah. Yeah, I, I still I still hear, you guys remember, you remember when Larry Killow beat you by <laughs> with a three iron for, for, you know, 15 holes? Well, I said, well, actually it was 14 and we didn't make it to the last one. So, <laughs> yes, I do remember. Exactly. <laughs> that is the 14 club rule. If you've got a question on the rules of golf, you can email us from the shortgrass at gmail.com and we'll get Adam to answer it on one of our next episodes. Adam Carney getting beat with Larry Killo putting with a three iron. Don't forget this week, it's the U.S. Women's Open from the Olympic Club in San Francisco. You can watch it on Peacock, Golf TV, and NBC. Our golf quote as we leave you comes from Gary Player. A good golfer has the determination to win and the patience to wait for the breaks. Remember, fix your ball marks on the greens and a couple of more, and I hope to see you from the short grass. You've been listening to From the Short Grass, a weekly podcast dedicated to the game of golf. From the Short Grass is brought to you by MinnowsPlus.com and Blackman Auctions. This has been a presentation of the Buzz Radio Network.